You are listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 10 this morning, uh, Psalm 10 verses 12 through 18 in particular, so you can make your way there uh, in your Bible, page 452, excuse me, if you're using one of the black hardcover Bibles. Uh, For the past eight years now, some of you know this because you've been there for all eight of those years, Uh, we have used each January as a month of awareness, uh, prayer, and steps of action in significant areas of mercy and justice in our world. Uh, Starting this year, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to take a little bit more focused approach to that. Uh, So rather than, as we've done in the past, rather than attempting to explore three or four different topics in January, uh, we're going to look at one for the entire month. And we're actually going to focus on that one issue then for, for the whole year. So in 2023, we're going to start what we're calling a local mercy initiative. Uh, many of you know we, we have great local mercy partnerships, and we talk a lot about our partnerships, and there's opportunities to serve with local partners. But we're adding now something called the local mercy initiative. Uh, and this is a, a one- to three-year focus in some aspect of mercy ministry where we are perceiving both great and real need in our community, in our region, as well as some of God's leading and and prompting and equipping, moving us to to be people who labor in that that topic, in that issue. So practically, um, that means we're going to start tying together some things that in the past have been separate. So each year, we'll we'll start January uh, with with focused sermons, as we've done, and some learning opportunities. You're going to hear more about those. That's going to then springboard us into an Easter outreach directly connected to the same mercy and justice issue. Uh, So every year we do something in celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. We seek to bless people in this region. Uh, We've done a lot of different things for that over the years. Now, going forward, the Easter outreach is going to be tied directly to whatever we're talking about in in January. There'll then be a couple other church-wide serving and learning opportunities during the year, And then what we'll do is every Christmas Eve, we'll close out the year by taking a special offering uh, for a person, uh, an organization, or a cause that's connected to to that same topic. So we'll talk a lot more about that in in the weeks to come, but wanted to give you an idea about where we're going. And I also wanted to share just a little bit about the why uh, behind that. And here's the why. We don't just want to be a well-learned church that explores things and is conversant in topics of mercy and justice. We actually want Jesus to transform us into people of mercy. We don't just want to dabble. We don't just want to be conversant. We don't just want to explore. We want to grow. We, we collectively want to be more a part of God's work in the world and reflect his heart for the world and, and push back what's dark in the world. We want to be hearers and doers of the word of God, not dabblers. And so for 2023, as you've heard, and and perhaps even longer than this year, it could be multiple years, uh, we're focusing on fatherlessness and foster care. As we're going to see this morning, all throughout Scripture, God reveals himself to be father of the fatherless. God is one who hears the cries of the orphan, of the fatherless, and defends and provides for and sustains the fatherless. And that compels us, as God's people, to care for the fatherless in our time and in our place. We live, as as many of you know, in a a world and in a region where many vulnerable children need love and need care 
and need a safe place to, to call home. As research, research is increasingly showing, fatherlessness, uh, the absence of an intact, loving, nurturing family for children, lies at the root of a whole ton of social issues and social evils. Poverty, there's lots of connections with mental illness, there's even increasingly statistics showing the connection from fatherlessness to mass shootings, to people who carry out mass shootings. And so we're going to use January to talk about fatherlessness and foster care. There's some people in our church family that are already deeply involved uh, in this, uh, that have stories that have been shaped by this. So uh, every week on our Sermon B-Side podcast, you're going to get to hear from some of those people. You're going to get to hear some of their stories. Uh, we'll start that tomorrow. We'll, we'll get to hear a little bit more from Ginny Hoover about uh, her story. So make sure to check that out. And then each of the next four Sundays, we're going to have guests with us during our worship service uh, to share some information about what does, what does fatherlessness and foster care actually look like in central Pennsylvania in 2023? How can we learn and how can we pray and how can we act as a reflection of God's heart? So this morning, what we're going to do, hopefully, is, is lay some of the biblical foundation for, for why we're focusing on this. Uh, and here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. We care about fatherlessness and we care about foster care because God is father to the fatherless. God is father to the fatherless. And there are a lot of places in Scripture where we see this. Today, we're going to be in the second half of Psalm 10. So let me pray for us, uh, and then we'll, we'll dive into that. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, because as we even said earlier, as we prayed earlier, that is truly who you are. Help us now to take you at your word. Lead us in this moment by your Holy Spirit, we pray. And don't let us walk away from this place this morning. Don't let us close our Bibles this morning without being captivated by your promises and compelled by your mercy. And we pray this for our own sake, Father, and for the vulnerable, for the oppressed, for the fatherless of our world. And we pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen now with open ears to this book that we love. This is the 10th Psalm, verses 12 through 18. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his hand, from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. This is God's word. So this morning, two things, let's look at two key things from Psalm 10, which shape, which give us this foundation for caring about the fatherless. And they are God's identity and our indignation. God's identity and our indignation. So first, let's talk about God's identity. As we last week were, were wrapping up our Advent series in The Christ of the Carols, uh, we talked some about the dissonance that we experience in this life, in this world. God is good, 
Life often is not. Uh, Jesus came into the world to bring peace. We often are not experiencing that peace. And Psalm 10 is expressing a similar dissonance. That's especially true when we consider that originally, Psalm 9 and Psalm 10 were most likely one psalm. One psalm. And in Psalm 9, David is praising God for his wonderful works. He's saying, thank you, God, for all of these wonderful things that you've done. Psalm 10 is the other side of that coin. And he's saying, God, if that's who you are, if that's all the stuff that you've done, where are you now? Why are you hiding in times of trouble? Why do wicked people, people who are rejecting your authority, your design, why does it seem like those wicked people are always prospering while needy and afflicted and oppressed and vulnerable people are suffering? And instead of trying to deal with that on his own, instead of running from God, the psalmist here takes his dissonance to God. These last verses that we read here of Psalm 10, they're a prayer. They're a prayer. Calling upon God to act in line with his nature and character. Prevailing upon God to, to be the God he has revealed himself to be. And hopefully, as you heard, central to this prayer is an aspect of God's identity. God is, verse 14, the helper of the fatherless. Helper of the fatherless. And time and again in, in the Bible, we see God's heart and care for vulnerable people. It's been called by some the quartet of the vulnerable, these four groups of people that show up, especially in the Old Testament, that God has particular care and concern for. There's the poor. We actually sang about it a little bit this morning, and it was in Psalm 146. It's kind of been in our liturgy already today. But there's the poor. There's the sojourner, refugees or immigrants. There's the widow, and there's the orphan or the fatherless. Multiple psalms even draw our attention to this aspect of God's identity. Psalm 146, which we heard from already today. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. Or Psalm 68, father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And that, in particular, is such a beautiful part of God's identity. He is the helper but he's not just the helper. He's not just the upholder. He's not just the defender of the fatherless. He is the father of the fatherless. So step back with me for, for just a moment this morning. What's the story of the world? What's the story of the world? It's, it's that God is the father of all. Every human being is created in God's image. And at least in that sense, every human being has God as their father. So in line with that, God established marriage and parenthood and families for the thriving of his image bearers. Regardless of how much our cultural definitions become crazy and insane, every single person has a mother and a father. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's part of God's good design. Our biological, our familiar relationships were designed by God to mirror something of his own fatherly love parental love and care. But when sin entered the world, Genesis chapter 3, it violently assaulted and corrupted this. Sin is why so many people experience fatherlessness and the varied reasons for it. Sin is why, for example, death came into the world and leaves some children without fathers, without parents. Sin is, is why divorce 
rips families apart. Sin is why some parents, some fathers, completely abdicate their God-given responsibility to be present with and to serve and to provide for and to sacrifice for their children. So think of it this way. This is a lens with which we could look at the story of the world. Sin has made the world into an orphanage. Sin has made the world an orphanage. Created as sons and daughters, created to be heirs of all that God made, we instead rejected him and we, we chose the life of an orphan instead. In his book called Adopted for Life, Russell Moore puts it this way. It says, the primeval insurrection in the garden. He's talking about Adam and Eve's sin against God there. The primeval insurrection in the garden turned the universe into an orphanage. The heirs were gone, were The heirs were gone, done in by their appetites. A serpent now holds the cosmos in captivity, driving along the deposed rulers as his slaves. The whole universe is now an orphanage. But, thanks be to God, he refuses to leave the world an orphanage. As Jesus says to his disciples, he refuses to leave us as orphans. One of the most incredible pictures of our salvation is the picture of adoption. Adoption. We're going to look at that in depth next week. But like the prodigal son, though we've rejected our father, though we've set out on our own orphan way, through the work of Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, God welcomes and embraces and adopts us into his family. So sin has made us fatherless, but in Jesus we are reconciled to God our Father. That's the story of the world. Now, that's the, that's the spiritual dimension of God's fatherhood. But God, of course, also cares deeply about the physical, material dimension of this, too. The psalmist here, after all, is not talking about God's spiritual adoption of his people through Jesus. There's shadows of that in his words, perhaps, but he's talking about God's help and care and justice for those who don't have biological, present, earthly fathers, people who are physically and materially vulnerable. And God is identifying himself throughout Scripture as their father too. He he commits to be for them what an earthly father either cannot or will not be. So don't miss the spiritual side of this. But let's not also over-spiritualize this either. Like a dad, God provides for his kids. And he establishes all kinds of laws commanding his people to provide physically and materially and financially for the fatherless. Like a dad, God threatens people who come after his kids. He promises justice and judgment for anyone who would exploit the fatherless. It's kind of like, I was never really that much of a gun guy. And then I had three daughters. And now I'm more of a gun guy than I was before. And and here's the thing. One One of the few situations I could actually fathom using a gun to harm another image bearer of God. They're few. They're very few. One of them is if someone comes after my kids. I don't know that I would actually do it if someone came after me, but if someone came after my wife or my kids, I could get there. I could get there. Like a dad, God protects his kids. Like a dad, God invites his kids to experience the love and comfort and security of having a good father. And for anyone who's been deprived of this foundational relationship with their earthly father, God is saying, come find that in me. Come find that in me. So make sure you see this. It's one thing to be 
to help or to defend or to uphold the fatherless, but our God is saying, I am the father of the fatherless. Not just a a philanthropist who helps, not just a lawyer who defends, not just a social worker who advocates, not a welfare safety net which upholds. He's father of the fatherless. And man, as most of you know, our world so desperately needs that. One of the things I really hope you see this month, this year, is the opportunity this aspect of God's identity affords us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with our world. The epidemic of fatherlessness that we are drowning in culturally right now. I'm not sure there's a more needed, more compelling, more impactful truth for you and I to speak or to embody in this moment than that our God is God that our God is father of the fatherless. So that's God's identity. That's God's identity. Second, let's talk about our indignation. Our indignation. We care about fatherlessness. We care about foster care and adoption because ultimately this is true, because God is father of the fatherless. But the more we see God as, as that, as father of the fatherless, the more indignant we become or at least we're meant to, that there's a type of righteous anger and frustration that we should experience when we look at the world and see how much sin has corrupted things. That was Jesus' response, for example, when he went to the tomb of his friend Lazarus in John chapter 11. Jesus went to the tomb. Lazarus had been dead for several days, and Jesus wept. He had deep compassion and love for his friend who died. But it also says there in John 11 that Jesus was deeply moved He was indignant at death. And Jesus in that moment embodied this reality that death is not the way it's supposed to be. Well, neither is fatherlessness. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, what we do with our anger, what we do with our frustration matters a lot. The point is, is if we're going to be a people of mercy and justice, if we're going to be a people of God's mercy and justice specifically, our heart must increasingly mirror God's heart. We have to increasingly love what he loves and hate what he hates. We have to increasingly have our heart break for things that break his heart. And we get indignant about the ways we see sin decimating the lives and the futures and the souls of people made in God's image. And so as part of this prayer, the psalmist here is is venting, is pouring out his indignation to God. And he prays, at least in one verse, what's known as an imprecatory prayer. It's a curse against the wicked and against how the wicked and their ways, the ways of evil, are harming and exploiting and and ruining things. So look again there at verse 15. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. In other words, the psalmist is praying, God, render them powerless. Stop letting the wicked get away with all of this. They're acting, the wicked are acting as if you don't exist, or as if your existence, your design, your laws don't matter. So call their bluff. Call them to account. Bring your judgment, bring your justice against them, against the evil that they are committing. I want to ask you this morning, do you ever pray like this? I don't honestly, pray like this. Hardly ever. But I'm learning 
that praying like this is part of what it means to faithfully follow Jesus. It's part of how we become people of mercy and justice in this world. We can't only pray prayers of blessing or prayers for provision. We, of course, pray those kinds of prayers, but we need and we have for us in the Word of God imprecatory prayers too, prayers full of indignation. Now, some of you here this morning, you don't need any help getting frustrated or getting angry. Okay? Some of you have always on tap, like between 2 and 12 rants, vents about stuff going on in the world. You probably unloaded a bunch of them on your family and friends this past week over Christmas. I'm sure they loved that and appreciated it. Okay, if that's you, if that's you, here's the question for you. Do you actually take your indignation to God? Do you actually take that indignation, that frustration, that anger to God? Do you believe that he cares more about what's wrong and broken and evil in this world than you do? Or do you just vent and rant as if your indignation is the only thing standing between utter collapse of the universe? Okay, that kind of anger, and I know that's some of us in the room, I, that kind of anger does not form you into a person of mercy and justice. That kind of anger forms you into an angry person, into a bitter person. And it forms you into a practical atheist. Look, Look, the, the wicked people in this, that this psalmist is cursing, is praying against here, what's at the root of their wickedness? Atheism. They, they pay no regard to God. They, they act as if God doesn't exist or if his existence is completely inconsequential. And if you're not taking, if we are not taking our indignation to God, if we're not praying our indignation and pouring it out before him, so are we. So are we. Lest we forget, lest we forget, we are the reason Wickedness and evil exist in the first place. We are the reason the world is an orphanage. We are the reason that fatherlessness is an epidemic. It's our sin that plunged the world into ruin. It's, and our atheistic anger just perpetuates that. It just perpetuates the curse. Now, on the other hand, some of us don't get angry or frustrated at all. We just kind of accept that, that this is the way things are and the way things always will be. And I get that. I get that. You and I do not have the power to snap our fingers and eradicate sin and all of its effects. And so we look at these massive topics, topics we've looked at in previous years, or even fatherlessness and foster care. What can I do? What can we do against the epidemic of fatherlessness that just is wreaking havoc across central Pennsylvania, but a nation and a world right now? The thing is, at the end of the day, our apathy, our acceptance is also just another form of, of practical atheism. We might not have the power, but our God does. And as the psalmist is lamenting in these words, that there, there might not be rational or satisfying answers for why God is not doing more right now, why it seems like he's, he's hiding his face at times, but God most definitely can act. And what we see here is God most definitely will. So we must never embrace sin or any of its ripple effects as normal. We must never become so used to the brokenness of this world that we lower the bar and call that good enough. We are meant to rage in, the, in a godly, holy way. We are meant to rage against sin and all of its effects. It's kind of like what C.S. Lewis said many years ago about cancer. Some of you might know this quote, but apart from God, people say, Let's just accept cancer. Cancer is just part of, of how things are. 
People get cancer, people get sick and die. But the Christian, C.S. Lewis says, the Christian replies to that line of thinking by saying, stop talking damned nonsense. I love that line. Just jolts you out of whatever slumber you're in that moment. Stop talking damned nonsense. He goes on to say, Christianity is a fighting religion. It insists things have gone wrong in the world, but that God insists and insists loudly on putting them right again. We need to see fatherlessness the same way. The same way our society, secular society, will say, you know what, fatherlessness, it's just a part of the way things are. Some people have dads, some people don't. Some people have intact families, some people don't. Let's just accept it, let's cope with it. As God's people in this world, men and women, you are meant to reply to that line of thinking by saying, stop talking damned nonsense. This is not the way it's meant to be. It's not the way it's meant to be. Russell Moore says something similar. I love how he says this. He writes, we get too comfortable with this orphanage universe. We sit in our pews or behind our pulpits knowing that our children watch Christian movies instead of slash films. We're content, in other words, with the world we know adjusted a little for our identity as Christians. That's precisely, he continues, precisely why so many of us are so atrophied in our prayers and why our prayers rarely reach the level of groanings too deep for words. Reference to Romans 8. And then Russell Moore says at the end, we are too numbed to be as frustrated as the Spirit with the way things are. We are too numbed to be as frustrated as the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, with the way things are. And he is exactly right to recognize prayerlessness or atrophied prayer as the result. Because as Psalm 10 is modeling for us, indignation fuels prayer. Indignation, the right kind of it, fuels prayer. Now, it fuels action too. Absolutely. We're going to talk plenty about that in in the weeks and the year ahead. But first and foremost, indignation must fuel prayer. We, We are meant to get indignant about sin's corruption, but then we're meant to take our indignation, to turn our indignation into prayer. The psalmist, is, as he's praying God's identity, God, you're the father of the fatherless, you're the helper of the fatherless. He prays his indignation. God, break the arm of the wicked, stop them, call them to account till all this comes to an end. And it brings him, as we see at the end of this psalm, it brings him to a place of renewed confidence in God. Remember, the the psalm began with dissonance. God, why why does it seem like you're hiding? Don't forget the afflicted. Don't stay far away from them. But look where the psalm ends. Look where it ends, verses 16 through 18. The Lord is king forever and ever. He will make an end of evil. And the psalmist is saying as he's realizing, as he's pouring out his prayers, God, you do hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will do justice for the fatherless, and for the oppressed. So as we begin this month and this mercy initiative for this year, focused on fatherlessness and foster care, may you see God increasingly. May you see him as father of the fatherless. May you be astonished that God has revealed himself that way, as father. He created us, Through the work of Jesus, through the work of the Spirit, he adopts us. And for those without earthly fathers, he commits to be their father. As you see this aspect of God's identity more and more, get indignant. Get indignant. Stop living as a practical atheist. 
For some of us, that means not venting and raging as if it's up to us to fix the world. For others, probably for most of us, I think, it means refusing to accept the corruption of sin and all the brokenness it creates as normal. Right? Get, get, even today, get indignant about the fatherless wasteland sin has brought about in this world. Get indignant that sin has turned this world into an orphanage, that it took what God made and turned it into that. But then, friends, turn your indignation into prayer. And use, I would encourage you, the second half of Psalm 10. Use this as your model. Pray like this today, this week, this year. Our world needs God to be the Father He promises to be. Our world needs the wicked exploitation and commodification and neglect of children to end. Our world needs the people of God to weep and pound the table, to cry out in prayer for God to act in line, of, in line with his nature and character. But most of all, friends, our world needs to hear the good news that the God who is there, the God who sent his son into this world for our salvation, truly is father of the fatherless. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Our God and Father, help us to look to you as that and to be astonished, whether for the first time or the the thousandth time, that you have revealed yourself to be our Father. You have sent your Son into this world to be our Savior, to be our light in the midst of darkness, to be our, our hope in the face of hatred, to be our peace in the midst of the turmoil of the wicked. So in your word and at your table, help us always to see Jesus and to know that your promises are true. And before now you send us back out into this world that you love, would you strengthen us to live in light of your salvation? Would you strengthen us to live in light of your mercy? Would you help us even now to to turn our indignation into prayer? We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our God. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.